WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for Film Sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosa. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosa. Hello there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y at WFYI.org. Also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Sosey. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog which you can read last week's, well, read it. You can see the trailer for Roar at filmsociology.tumblr.com that's T-U-M-B-L-R Tumblr, like your Charles Barkley Yes, exactly, like your Charles That's a Tumblr (laughs) (laughs) The voice you just heard is the man who can do air, drums, and Fender Rhodes at the same time That's Kobe Slagle, and we have company Yes, we do We have a man of many talents and uh, many titles His, his, well, it's been about a year, but his latest title Beatrice's dad. That's right. Which you're going to be getting for the rest of your days. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I should say, I'm your host, Emma's dad, here with Frank's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Hartz is in studio. How are you, Brian? Uh, doing all right, my friend. And do we have... Uh, Wait, Brian's here? Brian's here. Wait, have you extended it's this? called insight. Or have I? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was long enough last time, you know? Thank you, Hans. here <laughs> I think that's 23 uh, I think I doubled it the last time first uh, first one was like about a dozen and then I just forget it let's make it two dozen uh, you know Matt I, I, I'd be disappointed if that's not your ringtone for me on your phone <laughs> it means it would have rang six times by the time I <laughs> Well, I'll wait. It's I worth know you, it. <laughs> you'll know. Yep, I know he's listening. It's not going to voicemail. It's not going to voicemail. 18, it's not going to voicemail. All right. 19, 20, 21. Uh, it's college radio all over again. Hello, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, you have a lot of stuff going on. What? Uh, give us a preview. Of what we're besides you are you are our, kind of our soundtrack uh, guru, soundtrack yes, correspondent indeed. here. Indeed. Uh, well, actually, uh, there's why new- is he the soundtrack guru, Matt? What's the website? Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, the, my my blog, which is uh, has been dormant for a bit, but uh, I'm actually going to be reviving it thanks to which. James which is Porter. more dormant, his website or our Tumblr? Most uh, likely we'll, ours. We'll we'll, we'll we'll find out. Okay, uh, but it's cinematicmusic.blogspot.com. And but what you were originally going to answer? Well, what I was originally going to say, yes, that's one of my many ventures. Uh, there's a new. Uh, 
sport and uh, stage combat organization in town called the Indie Lightsaber Academy. And I am a founding member of said You're academy. Arlie Emery. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but I, I can't say any of the lines. No, you, you call that a lightsaber? Yeah, You've no. got to be kidding yeah. me. <laughs> Only one thing comes from Tatooine. No, two things. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, but yes, I'm a founding member. We uh, we are uh, brand new. We've been around since about February, and uh, we do uh, stage combat, and we also teach people how to use the lightsaber as a martial art. So you two can be your own YouTube star when that's, you're ready to ac- make an accident while you're fighting. That, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, we are actually performing a cameo with tonight's uh, Angel Burlesque show. Uh, Andrew Bolesk has a uh, nerd-themed show called Nerdgasm that's going on uh, at Theater on the Square. How many Leias will be there? Uh, well, you'll just have to come and find out. That means a lot. <laughs> I mean, so, guys, I guess any Princess Leia, I'm going to guess. I'm guessing here. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know yet. You don't know I know, but I, I know be... that there will be uh, many, many geek-themed uh, performances uh, from uh, Marvel Comics to Star Heavy Wars. Heavy Metal Magazine. To, I think someone even has a Minecraft-themed burlesque uh, performance. <laughs> There you go, ladies. I think we might have to work into that sub-branch. Film sociology, you're home for burlesque information. That's Indie right. burlesque information. You know, it's, it's actually one of three burlesque shows that's going on this weekend. Three in yeah. our fair city. So, ladies and gentlemen, you have no excuse. There is stuff to do in our fair city. So many tassels, so little time. <laughs> in different directions, <laughs> even better. Okay. Um, we got – well, okay. I have to, uh, I, I have to hang my head in, in slight cinematic shame. Uh, especially being a an Indianapolis radio host, you didn't see anything. No, I saw something. I I did not see Paper Towns oh, because you're a bad person. I'm a bad person, and I I I love John Green, and I love that my daughter loves John Green, uh, in a literary sense, literature sense. <laughs> anyway, um, well, I thought well that was the film. I was like, I know my smarter two thirds uh, were going to want to see it, so I was going to wait and see it with them. They saw it last night. Well, all right then. Sitcom sitcom husband loses again. Okay. So well, did they record a review? Uh, you know, what? I should I should have had them come in, but uh, but no, I, I I assure you, I will be seeing this. This is now two. They're on a streak because um, when they were on their little mom daughter vacation, they also saw Trainwreck without me. So my daughter has had her first Judd Apatow film moment, but she's not said if it was twenty minutes too long. Well, thankfully, it was with Amy Schumer and not say. Oh, I don't know. Adam Sandler? Yeah. Okay. Um, Speaking of. And I think, so now that's opened the gates that I have to show her 40-year-old virgin. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Compared to Knocked Up. Compared to Funny People. Yeah. Well, let's not go there. So, okay, we won't. Um, So anyway, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, nerd fighters. I thought I was going to see it with my family and be a family guy, but apparently being a film show host has to come first. So there's that. Nerd fighters? Oh my god. Do they want to come fight at Indie Lightsaber Academy? You know what? I bet I bet there are some nerd fighters uh that would like to join the academy. Uh, so well, we, see we are that. nerdy and we are fighters. No. But uh instead but then again I saw Mr. Holmes instead of them, so take that family. Ew. Um Sounds intriguing. Oh, you're working on your Ian McKellen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, sometime I, I, we will see Brian's one-man show that will involve Gregory Peck, Harrison Ford, and Ian McKellen. What show is that? Uh T B W. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, no, I did see Pixels. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's actually gotten some uh, some internet buzz in the last couple of days for the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons. Did you did you hear the rant by the? Yes. Uh, I'm not going to mention the, the guy. Minute rant. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to give this guy any more publicity. Than he already has. He's already at minute thirteen of his fifteen minutes. But he kind of goes off on how it is. Uh, it, it is a cinematic crime against humanity. This this part of the course for Adam Sandler. Well, and I th- I think even in the Adam Sandler canon, it's not that to say something. Now also quote Charles Barkley, not tourable. That's not tourable. No, it's, we have that one. Uh, we do. <laughs> do we? Oh yes, we do. Do you have it? I'm I'm working on it. Uh, should I keep going? Yeah. Okay. Stall. Okay. <laughs> so, um, in fact, my buddy uh, Jay Becker asked me if if Pixels was the shark sandwich. That's not terrible. Of the Adam Sandler movies. Thank you, Charles. I would say no. Little Nicky, both grown-up films. Mm. Waterboy. And you could say Jack and Jill. Those are the shark sandwiches <laughs> of this, ladies and gentlemen. And I think it's also kind of smart that for a long time, they kind of kept Sandler out of the trailer for the most part. It is, 
but it is a Happy Madison production, and and not just myself. You can read Ed Johnson Ott's review in Nuvo. Um, Richard Propes, who will get on the show again fairly soon, and Chris Lloyd. We actually, I actually liked it, despite the presence of Mr. Sandler and some of his Sandler-esque moments. And I'll, I'll explain. So, so it's more like the smell, the glove of the uh, <laughs> right. That's not a glove. They're smelling originally. <laughs> Uh, none more black. And uh, in this, of course, the uh, video game characters from the 80s invade the Earth. Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Space Invaders, Gal- Galaga, you know, all, all the ones that, that we grew up with. And Kobe would play retro on his home video monitor. No, no. He, he, no he didn't do that. He had, he had other things to do, like listen to Santana albums. I had, a, <laughs> I had an original Nintendo Entertainment System, and I had Jordan versus Burt. Well, obviously Mario and Duck Hunt. Yes. Naturally. Jordan versus Bird, which was awesome, and then Excite Bike. Oh, oh. well, I don't think Excite. No, Excite Bike is not in this one. But so, because these characters are invading the Earth, they get some uh, the homage maybe to Armageddon. They get uh, video game nerds from the '80s to come and help out, say, and help save the world. And that includes Adam Sandler, Josh Gad. Who you know, get get a big picture. That's fine. And Peter Dinklage, who is great in this. In fact, one of the reasons why I wanted to see this was because I saw the look of Dinklage. He plays the the kind of sleazy, egotistical champion of video games, who's just a little too smarmy for words. And and he looks. And I thought he he based his character on. If you saw the documentary. King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Yes. He looks like that guy. Nice. An absolutely despicable human being. One of the nastiest subjects I've ever seen in a documentary. <laughs> and I enjoyed Roger, as, Roger and me. Anyway, um, and I thought Dinklage based his character on that guy. And I'm really hoping once it comes out on Blu-ray, he says, yes, so I can be right. So anyway, they're brought in to save the world. Uh, you hear old critics like myself and others complain about how movies, a lot of movies... Michael Bay. Uh, movies look like video games. This one is allowed to because you're literally fighting video games. There's there's a scene involving uh, chasing Pac-Man and little mini coops that also have a laser that looks like a ghost. Yeah. There is a scene with Donkey Kong. Too bad we don't have Frank Caliendo <laughs> doing Al Pacino talking about Donkey Kong. Um, but there are those moments. And those are fun. If you're going to do a brainless spoof of the... Of Armageddon and Independence Day and Godzilla and all the disaster movies of the last 20 years. Um, you could do a lot worse. It's directed by Chris Columbus, who, uh, yeah, was a big deal a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> but he can direct a big movie like this. Um, so so that's, with all that considered, and, and Sandler's all right. I mean, he's he's supposed to be the hero. He's not as juvenile as he has been in other films. And, of course, there is the, the female, Michelle Monaghan, plays the, uh, the one, of course, she and Sandler at the beginning of the film don't... Like each other, capital oh. D, capital L, capital E, capital A. Where could that possibly? Where could that possibly go? Now, so some of the faults, a couple of faults on this, um, the casting. Now, there's there's some pretty interesting casting choices. You have, of course, you have all the stock characters in the disaster movie, the outsiders that come to help. You have the military, you have the government, and of course, you have you have the gruff general that doesn't want to agree with the president and doesn't want all of these outsider nerds to help out. Played by classic actor Brian Cox. So far, so all so right. far, so good. he's done comedy <laughs> like this. You know, you Super Troopers and and those films. So he's good. And then there's a there's a cameo. There's a one scene with the female British Prime Minister, played by classically trained actress Fiona Shaw. All right, fine, right, right. Who does Adam Sandler cast as the President of the United States in Pixels? Kevin James. Brian well, blinked the way several are going times in the primaries for 2016. There, uh, there, open actually. Thank you, Abdul. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so and guess what? He plays him as kind of a Bush-esque dunderhead who doesn't know how to speak and doesn't know how to write or read. He should he should get reading lessons from Can Tyler Hensborough. Do anything else? Yeah, but I guess to be fair, I, if I if I don't think he falls down and go boom, so there well. I guess there that is a stretch. But I thought you couldn't get I don't know. Any other actor on the planet that had a little bit of weight and depth to that compared? Well, the weight he's got. Wow. Make it noted, Brian said that, not me, (laughs) not Kobe. But just anybody else. But apparently he, like Rob Schneider and Dave Spade, are are on a couch just waiting for for him to call. So, So there is that. And then there's a moment where you know some of the characters uh, from uh, our our '80s arcade life comes to life, and and what becomes a cuddly sidekick at times is Cubert, 
Well, there's a sc- scene where Kubert is scared and Kubert <clears throat> wets himself. Nobody needs that. Nobody really needs that. No, no. So, no, I can't say. So, flaws aside, flaws aside, Kobe. <laughs> um, dis- Allegedly, this one has a lot of them. This does, but in spite of these, I think if you just turn your brain off and you want to see a spoof on disaster movies that have video games, it's, you know, Independence Day meets Wreck-It Ralph. You, you could do a lot. Yeah, you could do a lot worse. I, I, I was going to say, uh, but but would it perhaps be better just to you know go watch Wreck It Ralph again? Oh, definitely. Oh. Yeah, I used to do that. So all right, um, so that's out there. But yeah, the guy who says it's the worst thing, I, no. And and of course, I I become immediately skeptical. And ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I'm going to say you're wrong if something that just came out within the last week is the worst film ever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, got to give it time. My theory is. If you're that angry about the film, now this this takes some commitment, folks. Call me in five years. If you still have that white, hot, burning hatred over that film five years from now, I will I will I will accept your theory. <laughs> Just like uh, one of our regular guests, uh, Kobe Stacy Studeville, mm-hmm. uh, of course, still hates uh, Kristen Stewart with the heat of a thousand suns, <laughs> and I don't think that's letting up anytime soon. And I have tried poking at that theory. But it's she's not budging. I can't imagine Kristen Stewart Probably prompting not. that level of emotion. Um, uh, oh, she you, doesn't because yeah. she doesn't emote. That's good. Well, no, I, but still, I, mean, <laughs> I can't imagine caring about her that much. Um, well, oh, I thought uh, she was all right in the Runaways. See, exactly. I thought she was good in the Runaways. I thought she was fine as the girl in Adventureland. Um, yeah. She didn't have much to do, but did not uh, derail on the road. And um, oh, just still Alice. Still Alice. She, I think, because she she got, I think, an acting lesson doing the scenes that she did with Julianne Moore. And there was one that she did with, and I can't remember what it's called, with uh, Juliette Binoche. Well, and I think if you like playing tennis, if you play up against a pro, you're you're bound to get better. One hopes. One hopes. So so I, anyway, I uh, sometime I'll I think I'll bring Stacy. But Stacy's Stacy's a strong willed mom, and I don't think she's going to change her mind on that. Okay. Also opening in theaters today, and uh, I got to see this Tuesday. Southpaw, the new film from Antoine Fuqua, who is right. still riding the coats of the director from Training Day. It's been well, a decade. Right. But then again, if you've looked at Antoine's uh, entire filmography, not particularly strong. Yeah, I mean, the director of The Equalizer isn't really good. Equalizer, go. Tears of the Sun. Although, he did do the really good documentary concert film, uh, Lightning in a Bottle. B.B. King, uh, Eric Clapton. Those. Yeah, it's it's good. Well, this is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays the uh, light heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. Rachel McAdams is his wife. Way to go, big shooter. And uh, he... he He's really good. Jake Gyllenhaal is really good. In fact, there's a there's a really good interview with Gyllenhaal on Fresh Air this earlier this week, which if you go to freshair.npr.org, you can hear it on archive. But uh, an altercation happens at a at a charity event, and and a, between fighting entourages, a gun is brandished, and McAdams dies. And because of spoiler this, alert. spoiler alert. Well, th- no, this is the first ten minutes. Oh, okay. And of course, he loses everything. The daughter he loves goes into child, you know, goes in the the orphanage, and he's got to build himself back up from scratch, with the help of a gruff old, not Mickey, a gruff old <laughs> trainer played by Forrest Whitaker. All right. So Jake Gyllenhaal is really good in this. Forrest Whitaker is really good in this. Both of them do what they can with kind of stock characters. Gyllenhaal, because if you think about it. He plays a character who is heavyweight champion in boxing, has a huge house, huge car, lots of money, cannot really put a sentence together. He he sweats it when he has to deliver a couple of minute speech at a charity event for the um, not the Boys and Girls Club. I don't want to be a little bit, but but some orphanage organization that he was a part of or Big Brothers, Big Sisters kind of thing. And uh, and of course, short tempered. So so between that and and having gobs and gobs of money and a child, uh, and of course Forrest Whitaker does as much as he can with the with the uh, the the character of the old grizzled former fighter who now trains and wants to make things a better place, even even despite the presence of this f- uh, now fallen from grace boxer trying to rebuild himself. Well, if I mean if you're going to pick a couple of actors to uh, to you know put a third dimension into a role you those could, guys you could pick worse right they'll bring their a game to a serial commercial and that's kind of well so so my 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 comment on the film is it is a really good boxing film if you've never seen a boxing film mm. ever if this okay. is your first boxing film you will cheer <laughs> and you will you know you, will he win the big fight at the end and you'll love the training sequences but 
everything from Raging It's also an art film. It's not an art film. <laughs> it's it's not Raging Bull. It's not Rocky. One, two, three, four, five. It, it and ho- Rocky Balboa. And Rocky Balboa. And hopefully it'll be better than Creed. <laughs> oh, gosh. Although I like Michael B. Jordan, and I'm sure they, I'm sure MGM waved him a giant check, and you, you just don't say no to that between that and Fantastic Four. So what? Is it, is it going to be a biopic about the uh, the lame rock band from the 90s? Yeah. No, he's he's actually playing Apollo's son. Oh, I gotcha. Who's being trained by, because he's available, Sly. Well, yeah. That's coming out later this year. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's not Fat City. Now, that's an art film about boxing. You should check that out. Kobe, it's from the 70s. Oh. Different era. Uh, totally. Directed by John Kill- Huston. Killer's Kiss. Oh, Killer's Kiss is good. Uh, the the setup. It's a great white hope. The setup, Robert Ryan. Um, anyway, there's lots of – so if you've, if you've never seen any of those, you will <laughs> really, really enjoy Southpaw. And then you should go see those. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess it's one of those, again, it's kind of like Fizzles. No. That's not what I said. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Big Daddy. I think the performances um, way out over, I guess, the, the genericness of the film. So that's that's out there as well. Right on. Did you hear that Fuka's working on a, uh, a remake of The Magnificent Seven? Uh, yes. And is it, they they're not, haven't filmed it yet, have they? Uh uh, no, but there's a bit of news uh, uh, about it pertaining to James Horner. We can talk about that later. We will get to that. So wait a minute. And I'm trying to remember. Robert Vaughn's is Robert Vaughn still with us? I believe he is. So he's the last. I think he's the last of the original seven. I think still so. walking the earth. Well, uh, Horst Buckholtz might be around somewhere. Kobe, hmm. could you could you look up the Magnificent Seven, please? Yes. You've have you seen the Magnificent Seven? Nope. Really. No, oh well, it that was before was your time. Silence you just heard from this side of the table. <laughs> well, he's he we we need to work on that. Um of course, the great score by the Elmer great Elmer Bernstein. Bernstein. Yes. Um with everyone's favorite Cajun, Yule Brenner. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, Louis well, he's about as Cajun as Tommy Wiseau, but that's another story. Well, he was also about as uh, about as Mexican as Horace Buckholtz. That's so. <laughs> okay, that's true. We we love our multi-ethnic cast, multi-ethnic <laughs> casting. Charlton Heston wants a word with all of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, uh, you know, there there's, there's plenty of guys in the proud tradition of ethnically ambiguous. <laughs> I think uh That's right. You know, the the Rock and uh That's the, true. And well, Diesel. um Eli Wallach played oh, lots yeah. of stuff. So, okay, Kobe, um yep. I am going to go to Steve McQueen, dead. Yul Brenner, dead. dead. James Coburn, dead. dead. Uh who's next on your list in front of you? Brad Dexter? Dead. Dead. Robert Vaughn? Ch- click on him, will you please? Robert Vaughn. Still with us? Uh it would appear so. Cuz he means you mean business. business. <laughs> I missed those. All right, go back. Go back to the list please. So, dead. Robert Vaughn's still with us. So, that's one. Eli Wallach? Dead. Well, he wasn't what part of the 7. He was the bad guy. That's true, but he's still dead. Charles Bronson, dead. Yep. Um, Jorge Martinez de Hoyos. Was he a seven? Uh, uh, well, no, no, no. He no, was, he, he was he, not. He, he was uh, probably the old man. Chris Calvera, Vin, Bernardo, Lee, Harry, Britt. Who am I missing? Who are we with? Oh, yeah, who'd you mention? Uh, Horace Buckholz. That's the name oh, of the Horace Buckholz. Is he the other one there? Um, gotta he's not even on the first page? No, he's not. What? what? Who? Way to drop the ball, IMDb. Come on now. Right. Horace Buckholz. There you go. Yeah, click on him. Horace Buckholz, 33 to 2003. He's dead. All right. So, Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. Come on. So, so we then, salute you. So, so he could be the, of course, he could be the link between the Magnificent Seven, Battle Beyond the Stars. Yes. And and the remake of the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, who knows? Do we who know knows? who's Denzel? Am I, am I right? Am I guessing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Denzel is going to be in it. Which, interestingly enough, I was having a conversation with with he's a couple also of other Cajun about if if I were if I were going to recast the Magnificent Seven, I would definitely cast Denzel in the Yul Brynner role. You know what? He's never done. I don't think he's done a western. We can check on that too. We will check on that. So, okay, that's fine. Do we know any of the other six? I didn't recognize any of their names. Okay, oh, wait, so no, I think there might be one or two. Kobe, can you can you click on Denzel's? I welcome to IMDb search with Kobe Slagle. <laughs> Denzel Washington. There should be Magnificent Seven. Let me guess. Pre-production. Uh, yep. All right, click on filming. I, I gen. Oh, film. Okay, I. I'm going against my principles of until I see a poster or a trailer, I don't care. But this intrigues me, yeah. so I, there is there's a there is a, uh, an, a an exception to every rule. Who who is on the IMDb list for filming of the Magnificent Seven remake? Characters are not listed, but we have we have actors here. Yes, let's hear them. Chris Pratt. 
Yeah. Oh, okay, right. yeah. Okay, two. Matt Bomer. All right. Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh. Hey, all right. Okay. I can get behind that. Yeah. Denzel. Yep. Uh, Byung-Hun Lee. Of course they're going to go the United Colors. Okay, all right. Cool. Ethan Hawke. Sure. Uh, well, you know, okay. Equa. Yeah. Called him up. He, he needs a break from Richard Linkletter. <laughs> <laughs> I want something that just takes one session to film. <laughs> okay. Um, probably going to mess this up. Cam Gignadet. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Peter Sarsgaard. All right. Haley right. Bennett, Luke Grimes, and the list goes on and on. And on. That sounds fairly That's, solid. That has potential. It seems seems like it might be old hat by the time it comes out because we'll have the hateful eight in the meantime. And and of course, reunited, and it feels so good. Quentin Tarantino and Neil Morricone, who's going to do an original score. Wow. Yes. So I know there was there was tension between the two of them on Inglorious Bastards. Um, apparently Enyo didn't like uh, Quentin's music choices of his previous work. Yeah, well. In other words, he was surprised that Quentin Tarantino messed with other people's music. <laughs> Even yours, sir. Sorry. Well, yeah, he'll he'll plug in Morricone anywhere. Exactly. If he made, if he made a space movie, he would use if he Morricone. Yeah, if he hadn't figured it out by now, now he knows. So, yeah, there it is. Anyway, so excited about that. That should be cool. Okay, uh, Kobe. Yes. I know, I think it's a couple more weeks before IU Cinema, but what is uh, what is happening? Uh, IU Cinema coming back Thursday, August 6th with the Wolf Pack. <clears throat> Tonight, uh, at the IMA, their Summer Night Film Series, continues Christmas in July with Elf. Oh, mm, do I need to see that? I've seen it, but... Wow, you're online <laughs> during the show. Don't know. Uh, um, don't know I, if you I, need to see it in I July. I saw the musical earlier this year. Really? Or last oh, year. Yes. No, last year. I saw it when it was at the Murat. Ah. So I I don't think I need to see it in July. No. I'll wait until the end of the year. That mm-hmm. sounds, that, that's fine. Sounds more yeah, appropriate. Okay. Gonna, so, it, sorry, IMA. I understand the intent. The Christmas season now begins at uh, 1201 November 1st now anyway. Right, so exactly. So plenty of time. So, yeah. What else? Uh, what else over there? Landmark Midnight oh, Movies the final weekend. wraps up this weekend, tonight and tomorrow, with Goldfinger. That's at Keystone Landmark at midnight. We'd love solid. to see that on the big screen. Very, very good. We got a solid. Um, um, we got the drive-in. The drive-in, the drive-in combinations make sense this week. Okay, Brian, uh, let me ask you before we get to this because one of the things we are intrigued because we t- we talk about Tibbs and and the Skyline Drive-in. What's the oddest? Drive-in pairing you ever experienced? Drive-in pairing oh, because 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 here's what happens. We we've noticed this since we because we are your home for drive-in information. Um, most of the time, I would say about ninety percent of the time, you get two films together that makes sense. Same style, same studio. Sometimes even you know guy girl guy film girl film, but mm-hmm. sometimes you just get two that make you scratch your head and you're like, what? Oh boy. So anyway, ponder that. What do we what do we have at the at the tips? At the tips, here we go. Okay. Screen one, pixels followed by minions. Yeah, that yep. that okay. of course yeah. that makes sense. Screen two, train wreck. Train wreck. Train, train wreck. wreck. You over there? You're all, you all wide over there? A train wreck and Magic Mike. Girls Night, girls yeah, night yeah, Out. Much, That's uh, okay. Monica and Beatrice. Imagine, there you go. You imagine Magic Mike on that size screen. <laughs> Ant Man. I, I bet there's a lot of, there, a lot of cars start moving <laughs> closer to the screen. Screen three Ant Man and Jurassic World. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. I can see it. And then screen four Paper mm-hmm. Towns, Inside Out. Uh, if you're young. I suppose emotions, yeah, sure. <laughs> they have emotions. That's the emotional screen. I don't, know, I don't emotion- know anything about Paper Towns. I hadn't even heard of it before we mentioned it. This oh, like, just a few minutes based ago. on the novel by uh, Indie Zone John Green. Well, yeah, you, you, I, I, from, I gathered that. I see from, from the from the people yeah. that brought you the Faulkner stars. Okay, yes, sir. And at the skyline, pixels. Yes. Followed by minions. Of course. Followed by. Oh yeah. Now I should tell they they do these. And then at, triple feature. Oh, a triple feature. So like at one a.m. <clears throat> All right. Because you've already had you've already had two films. You need a third. When what the it, kids are asleep. Exactly. What is what is this week's uh, contribution? At one a.m. tomorrow morning, Saturday morning. Wow. After you've seen Pixels and you've seen Minions, you will be treated to heavy traffic. Devil times five. <laughs> Qua. <laughs> Please tell us more. I'm looking they, for they, it. They, most of the time, they will pick something that I've not even heard of. Some somebody got Sounds a decent like print the, uh, of yeah. yeah. So well, good for them for uh, you know 
engaging in the the classic uh, grindhouse tradition. Exactly. What? So, what is this about, Kobe? From 1974, your time. Devil Times Five. Any alternative titles? Um, People Toys <laughs> is the original title. Okay, go ahead. Five extremely disturbed soci- sociopathic children escape from their psychiatric transport and are taken in unwittingly by a group of adult villagers on winter vacation. Sounds like this show. <laughs> Anybody in the cast of note? Um, Shelley Morrison, uh, Gene Evans, Sorrel Book. Sorrel Book! Leaf Garrett. What? Whoa! Oh, Leaf Garrett. Really? Go. Keep going. Uh, How about the ones that have profiles on the IMDb page? <laughs> that's about that's it? A, yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that. I was at Indie Reads earlier this week, and I found on CD, because we have, yes, because of Lynn and Emma and myself, we do have a section devoted entirely to show tunes, mm. The or we call it the Broadway Cabaret area. The original cast recording of Finian's Rainbow that's a find. Sorrel Book is in that. I'm guessing are. as the 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 racist uh, politician that Keenan Wynn plays in the film. That's mm. my guess. Okay, I've not heard it yet. So anyway, and Leif Garrett, who's coming to town? He's got a gig. Really? I think he's coming to the Vogue. We'll check that during the break. We'll check that during the break. Um, so, okay, cool. So, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, there's plenty to do out there. So, um, let's let's take a short break. And also... Yes, sir. Uh, Ooh, the yep. Indie Film Fest is closing up this Tonight. Week. Tonight. Is it... Yeah, I think tonight's the last night, isn't it? Get a uh, confirmation on that. All right, we're going to take a short break. There's, there's a couple titles on DVD and Blu-ray. We have lots of dead people we like, plus an audio tribute. And then Brian Hartz is going to plug all of the things he has going on here in central Indiana. And you should, too. <laughs> Plug Brian stuff. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. about either one of them. I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. 
What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? So do you have any new movies in? Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? They never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. Ooh, Navy SEALs! It's like in order to join, they have to have an IQ less than their shoe size. Just go, just go open the video store. Yeah, open the video store. Blockbuster video. Wow, what a difference. Well, in case you didn't see it, here it is again. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, never forget, Film Sociology is your home for Tyler Hansborough information. That's right. Congrats to Tyler for signing a new contract with... The Charlotte Hornets. Michael Jordan sees something in him that, well... Nobody else does. So good luck with that. And go. by the way, I think, I think more news on Tyler uh, throughout the season because that's what you that's what we do here. Just ask the librarian. And by the way, film sociology Fridays at five. I think Tyler would actually look dead perfect in the uh, the Hickory uniforms that the Pacers oh, will be yeah. wearing because uh, yep. he looks like a basketball player from the fifties. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point, WFYI.org. Matthew Sosi here hanging out with Brian Hartz Yo. and Kobe Slagle. Yes. No, sorry. So we have a couple of uh, clarifications. We were we were close on our on our uh, statements yes. before the break. Indie Film Fest wraps up uh, tomorrow, Saturday, the 25th, at the Indianapolis Museum of Art. So that's going on uh, tonight and tomorrow. So check that out while yep. you still can. And Leaf Garrett is playing a charity gig tomorrow night, again, Saturday the 25th, at the Vogue. Leaf Garrett's going to be in town. And and what what sort of gig is it? Is it a, Do we know what the charity is? Um, We're being nice here. American Cancer Society. Okay. All right. There we go. And as we were talking earlier, remember, at one point in 1983, Leaf Garrett was near top billing in The Outsiders. Yeah. If you think about it. Over Tom Cruise. Well, yeah. I would say Matt Dillon was the big name at that time. Diane Lane was already had already been established with A Little Romance. Ralph but, Macchio. Uh, unknown, semi-unknown Macchio, unknown Cruz, unknown Swayze, unknown Howell, um, unknown Estevez. So, yeah, he was actually the kind of the odd name out of. What a great band name <laughs> that would make. Unknown uh, Estevez. Unknown Estevez. So, <laughs> and as we were talking earlier, Brian Hart's, of course, our, our soundtrack guru, um, I, I showed my daughter the complete novel on DVD that uh, Warner Brothers put out a few years ago. She had read The Outsiders in school. And as much as I love the beginning and the end being tagged on, the original ending uh, and beginning being tagged on, which was fine, um, they took out all the rock music and put in a score that I wasn't crazy about. By uh, by Francis's dad. By Carmine. Yeah. Oscar-winning Carmine Coppola. So they kind of... Well, you know. But it's his dad. I get it. I kind of wish I could hear Gloria and some of the other songs from the era back in the original score. Yeah. The original draft. Yeah. So... There you go. One of, one of many famous films with a replaced score. Yes. Like, uh, so and, say legend or uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. So and we now I know we hadn't talked. Uh, you, you haven't been on a while, but because you've been busy being Beatrice's dad yeah, and much. and training young future lightsabers. Um, <laughs> but James Horner, of course, uh, passed away. And and how was Horn? How does Horner rank in uh, in your world? Oh, but he's got to be one of the top ten. Of my favorite uh, film composers of all time, I, I, you know, if I thought too hard about it, I could probably come up with varying compositions for that. But uh, well, this isn't high fidelity, so we won't. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, he he passed away under under very uh, difficult circumstances. He had a plane crash a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was it wasn't really reported right away because uh, they weren't quite sure it was him. So there wasn't an obit in the New York Times the next day. And right. It was uh, it was very odd, but. Uh, yeah, he was in the in the middle of working, and of course James Horner, the uh, composer of uh, uh, scores, uh, you know, for you know, dozens of films, including uh, Aliens, Titanic, of course, was his big Oscar winner. Brave so Heart. Your wife has heard his work thousands of times, Kobe. Mm-hmm. Has you watched Titanic thousands of times? Oh, yep. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. That's a that's a commitment. But not the commitments. No, no. He <laughs> did, and, and James Horner had nothing to do with the score for that. That's although a, he was rather fond of Irish music. Nice, but. Uh, 
Yeah, in fact, there's a, there's connections between uh, James Horner and a couple of things we were talking about earlier. Go for it, because this right yeah. here, ladies and gentlemen, your pledge dollars at work. His first major gig was actually in the the film you mentioned, Battle Beyond the Stars, which was uh, a space version of yeah. the Magnificent Seven yeah. with Roger Corman and John Sayles did the screenplay. Yep, and uh, and the young James Cameron actually did the art design for this movie. It got more talent than it deserved. <laughs> uh, Again, an, a quote you won't see in the ad campaign. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Uh, but it was also the young James Horner's first gig, and he brought his A game. He went to it. He did. Um, it was it was a you know all out serious action you know, score. Very, I'm surprised they had the money to afford that that orchestra. Um, <laughs> I actually recently grabbed a copy of it when he when he died because it's very cheap online. Um, but uh, you uh, if you're if you're a big fan of like say the Star Trek series, he did the music for uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Oh well, that's and, just uh, that's you a can heavy weight. You kind of hear ballot. the birth of that uh, sound in in Battle Beyond the Stars. It's it's pretty terrific. But and, the other connection is yes, uh, speaking of Magnificent Seven, the remake of the Magnificent Seven to be done by Antoine Fuqua. Uh, Fuqua re- revealed in an interview this past week that uh, James Horner, he was going to be working with him on that, and uh, he's actually already turned in a score based on the script alone. So we've got one more score yet from James Horner, which for film score nerds like me, that's... Uh, and Horner did cool. Southpaw, which I, he I, just I, I forgot Paul, I yes. forgot about that. So. Which is, yeah, he was already Tuesday. working with Fuqua on Southpaw, and uh, he just said, hey, you want to do Magnificent Seven? And what, what self-respecting composer wouldn't? Exactly. Unless, of course, you were afraid to tackle the legacy of Elmer Bernstein's rather <laughs> impressive score. Nobody's perfect. Well, you know. <laughs> I know. Uh, also, this weekend at um, Connor Prairie, the ISO doing the music of John Williams. That's right. I, I dearly wish I could be there, but I'm already committed to appear with the Angels of Angel Boesque. Uh, I'm sure you'll have a Williams-esque intro. <laughs> oh, Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and that that's that concert's always a blast. Uh, and you'll but, get the greatest hits. You'll get Superman and Star Wars. Oh, and yeah, but also some a, of the few, Spielberg uh, stuff. a few more obscure ones. I saw the program for it. They'll have like uh, a March from 1941. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Uh, so you know, a cu- couple of a uh, couple of hidden gems. Uh, nice. for those of you who've uh, heard the Star Wars and Indiana Jones stuff a million times. There you go. Now, I guess Kobe, I think we're gonna we're gonna shift a little bit uh, since we started talking about um, James Horner. We should just That'll just segue right into dead people we like. There's a lot of them. We don't have dead people we don't like. Nope. Um, and you have to. Chris can take a rest. It's fine. We're going to get to it. Um, now I know because I was out the last few weeks, and uh, so thank you for Sam for filling in because I know he took care of, uh, not personally take care of Omar Sharif, <laughs> oh. but I know and and uh, I want to make sure. And I think I don't think he was able to mention it, but uh, but famed Welsh actor Roger Rees. Passed away because we are at Film Social. We are pro that guy, and he was a wonderful that guy. Wonderful that guy, and and for probably American audiences, he I know he won an Emmy in 1982 for uh, playing Nicholas Nickleby. Yes, uh, but probably best known as as uh, Robin McCor- Concord in Cheers, the English guy that Kirstie Alley was chasing after. Yes, and so yeah, there. So now the uh, the the wheels are starting to turn ahead, but yeah. also appeared in films like Mountains of the Moon, If Looks Could Kill. The Substance of Fire, Next Stop Wonderland, the one that I really enjoyed. He, 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 it was a small role, but it was really fun as Peter Quince in Michael Hoffman's A Midsummer Night's Dream. One of the shining moments of that otherwise <laughs> unimpressive film. Uh, but then it would appear, he would appear in films like The Scorpion King and Frida and The uh, Emperor's but, Club. Uh, but also uh, you may remember him as the Sheriff of Rottingham in Robin Hood Men in Robin Tights. Robin Hood Men in Tights, yes. Uh, uh, he, he was in The Prestige. Uh, he was, he was terrific in The Prestige. He, 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 he was Another one of those guys who, you know, if you want somebody who's going to bring it all, uh, no matter what the size of the role, it's him. Even in something like the Steve Martin version of the Pink Panther. Well, you know, (laughs) didn't you just say nobody's perfect? Nobody is perfect, yes. Well, you know, actually, uh, uh, Monica, my wife, has a connection to uh, Roger Rees. Not personally, but... uh, I wish. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She probably wishes, too. Um, (laughs) We we went and saw the ISO a few years ago, and they did their big concert for the Rite of Spring. And he uh, narrated? He, he made an appearance uh, playing the role of uh, Igor Stravinsky, actually. They wow. recreated the, uh, the the famous uh, opening night riot for the Rite of Spring, and he, he was there performing. He was, he was terrific. Very cool. Uh, yeah. And by the way, Monica, thanks. <laughs> She'll get that. Okay. Um, I want to get to two – we have an audio tribute to two classic that guys, uh, one English, one American, Aubrey Morris – and Alex Rocco, and here's the here are the clips. Uh, Alec boy, awake at last, yes? 
I met your mother on the way to work, yes? She gave me the key. She says something about a pain somewhere, hence not at school, yes? A rather intolerable pain in the head, brother, sir. I think it should be clear by this after lunch. Oh, or certainly by this evening, yes. The evening's the great time, isn't it, Alex Boyne? Cup of the old chai, sir? No time, no time, yes. Sit, sit, sit. To what do I owe this extreme pleasure, sir? Anything wrong, sir? Wrong? Why should you think of anything being wrong? Have you been doing something you shouldn't, yes? Just a manner of speech, sir. Yes, but it's just a manner of speech from your post-corrective advisor to you that you watch out, little Alex, because next time it's not going to be the corrective school anymore. Next time it's going to be the barry place and all my work ruined. If you've no respect for your horrible self, you at least might have some for me, who've sweated over you. A big black mark, I tell you, for everyone we don't reclaim. A confession of failure for every one of you who ends up in the stripy hole. I've been doing nothing I shouldn't, sir. The millicents of nothing on me, brother. Sir, I mean. Rather, <laughs> this clever talk about millicents just because the police haven't picked you up lately doesn't, as you very well know, mean that you've not been up to some nastiness. There was a bit of a nastiness last night, yes? Some very extreme nastiness, yes? A few of a certain Billy Boy's friends were ambulanced off late, yes? Your name was mentioned. The words got through to me by the usual channel. Certain friends of yours were named also. Oh, nobody can prove anything about anybody, as usual. And I'm warning you little Alex, being a good friend to you as always, the one man in this sore and sick community who wants to save you from yourself. <laughs> what gets into you all? We study the problem. We've been studying it for damn well near a century, yes, but we get no farther with our studies. You've got a good home here, good loving parents. You've got not too bad of a brain. Is it some devil that crawls inside of you? Nobody's got anything on me, brother, sir. I've been out of the Rukas of the Millicents for a long time now. And that's just what worries me a bit too long to be safe. You're about due now by my reckoning. That's why I'm warning you, little Alex, to keep your handsome young proboscis out of the dirt. Do I make myself clear? As an unmudded lake, sir. As clear as an azure sky of deepest summer. You can rely on me, sir. Hey, Mike. Hello, fellas. Everybody's here. Freddy. Tom. Good to see you, Mike. How are you, Mo? All right. You got everything you want? The chef cooked for you special. The dancers will kick your tongue out and your credit is good. Drug chips for everybody in the room so they can play in the house. My credit good enough to buy you out? <laughs> buy me out. A casino. A hotel. Corleone family wants to buy you out. The Corleone family wants to buy me out? No, I buy you out. You don't buy me out. Your casino loses money. Maybe we can do better. You think I'm skimming off the top, Mike? You're unlucky. <laughs> you damn guineas really make me laugh. I do you a favor and take Freddy in when you're having a bad time, and then you try to push me out. Wait a minute. You took Freddy in because the Corleone family bankrolled your casino because the Molinari family on the coast guaranteed his safety. Now, we're talking business. Let's talk business. Yeah, let's talk business, Mike. First of all, you're all done. The Corleone family don't even have that kind of muscle anymore. The Godfather is sick, right? You're getting chased out of New York by Bazzini and the other families. What do you think is going on here? You think you can come to my hotel and take over? I talked to Bazzini. I can make a deal with him and still keep my hotel. Is that why you slapped my brother around in public? Oh, no, that, that, that was nothing, Mike. Now, now, uh, Mo didn't mean nothing by that. Sure, he flies off the handle once in a while, but, but Mo and me were good friends, right, Mo, huh? I got a business to run. I got to kick asses sometimes to make it run right. We had a little argument, Freddy and I, so I had to straighten him out. You straightened my brother out? He was banging cocktail waitresses two at a time. Players couldn't get a drink at the table. 
What's wrong with you? I leave for New York tomorrow. Think about a price. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. There you go. That's Aubrey Morris as Mr. Deltoid in Stanley Kubrick's film version of A Clockwork Orange. And Alex Rocco, of course, as Mo Green in The Godfather. And, and especially for both of them, but especially with Alec Rocco, anybody who wears uh, spectacles, we raise our glasses to you. Yes, and uh, <laughs> hopefully stay out of range. <laughs> so going through... Um, Aubrey Morris, and and it was that was of course the first thing we saw. And by the way, if you want to infuriate college girls, talk like Mister Deltoid when you're on <laughs> campus. It, it goes on forever, yes. Yeah. But uh, such films, including from 1969, if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium. He was in that, of course, Clockwork Orange from 1971. The original and only film that matters, 1973, is The Wicker Man, where he was the old gardener and gravedigger. With the late Christopher Lee. <clears throat> the great Christopher Lee. Love and Death, he was one of the soldiers in that. He played the manager in Ken Russell's Listomania, a fun 70s favorite, 70s favorite of mine. Uh, yes, played Dr. Quentin Boggs in Oxford Blues. You noticed he was in Toby Hooper's Life Force. <laughs> A schlock classic. Oh, from the 80s. Uh, of course, uh, Alfred Bettemeyer in My Girl 2 and and lots of stage, lots of screen. Now, Alex Rocco, man, we go all the way back to um, started in the mid-60s. First film of note from 1967, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre from 67. Blood Mania, Brute Core, and then The Godfather, and then The Man Just kept working on stage or on screen and on TV. Uh, Kobe, you saw him when you weren't lulled to sleep during the Friends of Eddie Coyle. <laughs> he was one of uh, Robert Mitchum's guys. Detroit 9000, which is a Quentin Tarantino grindhouse favorite. Mm. Fun uh, movie. Uh, let, he played Lieutenant Denisco in Three the Hard <clears throat> Way. Yes, he worked with Fred Williamson, Jim Brown, and Jim That's Kelly. Sad. I'm sorry, film sociology guest Fred Williamson. Nice. Uh, Freebie and the Bean as the district attorney. From uh, 1974, um, Rafferty and the Gold Dust Twins, Hearts of the West, um, Rabbit Test. Yes, he was directed by Joan Rivers. Um, Herbie Goes Bananas. He was uh, a police officer. He was Jake in The Stuntman. The Richard oh, Rice. That's the wow. power of being that guy. <laughs> uh, Nobody's Perfect, The Entity. Um, yeah, he was in Cannonball Run 2. He was also in the Burt Reynolds film version of Elmore Leonard's Stick. That's film sociology guest Elmore Leonard. <laughs> um, gotcha. This is a real program. And it's, it's terrific. Uh, Return to Horror High, Dream a Little Dream. Um, yeah, he played Joe's dad in The Facts of Life and won an Emmy for the famous Teddy Z. It's one of those that was on for one season, got canceled, and, and he got an award. Ah, well. Let's see what else. Uh, Pope Must Diet was in the George Carlin show, recreated the, the character esque. The characteristics of Mo Green as Saul Silver, Saul Silver, and that thing you do, directed by Tom Hanks, huh. famously, and I, and this was the thing that was talked about quite a bit. <clears throat> he was the voice of Roger Myers Jr. in The Simpsons, and only appeared in three episodes. Hmm. Felt like it was more. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Goodbye, Lover. He of course was the voice of Thorny in A Bug's Life. Um, yeah, he was in Dudley Do Right. Alex Rocco and Alfred Molina got to do a film together. Uh, the Wedding Planner, Find Me Guilty, the the best film starring Vin Diesel because it was directed by Sidney Lumet. Hmm. Smoke and Aces, and he was the voice of Carmine Falcone in Batman Year One. Oh, okay. So congrats to both of you. Well, it's it's pretty forgetful. Yeah, it's not and then uh, finally, and you can hear an interview, the classic interview on Fresh Air uh, tonight. Uh, you go to npr.freshair.org. But uh, author E.L. Doctorow passed away. Great author, but and 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 the film versions of his work, uh, kind of a mixed bag. Yes. Uh, five films that were made in the films, five books that were made in the films. Welcome to Hard Times. Western with Henry Fonda, Keenan Wynn, and Warren Oates from 1967. 1981's Ragtime, which was my introduction to E.L. And uh, it's funny. Featuring uh, Oliver Reed, right? No, that was, um, well, the thing was uh, a young Jeff Daniels, Mandy Patinkin, Howard wow. E. Rollins, Elizabeth okay. McGovern, and coming out of retirement for 20 years, James Cagney. Wow. Directed by Milos Foreman. Must be thinking of another <clears throat> thing with Oliver Reed, then. Um, something else. Um Strange because Emma really likes the musical version of Ragtime and now wants to watch this. All right. So this would be Emma's second Milos Forman experience. First one being, any guesses? Amadeus? Oh, third. 
I'm staying corrected. Ah. Amadeus, then Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, hey, we have to keep track of these things here. <laughs> you're, ho- you're home for Emma Sosi film-watching information. <laughs> um, then there was, of course, Daniel, underrated film, directed by Sidney Lumet, starring Timothy Hutton, um, based on the book, uh, the book of Daniel. Billy Bathgate, nobody's perfect. Yay. Dustin Hoffman, Nicole Kidman, uh, Bruce Willis, and anybody remember? No, you don't. Lauren Dean played Billy Bathgate. Mm. No, exactly. And then uh, from 2008, uh, from the book, from the story, Jolene, A Life, the film Jolene, starring Jessica Chastain. Wow. There you go. So anyway, go go check out some of those gentlemen's uh, fine, fine work. So, Brian, you have... You have Lightsaber Academy. Any Lightsaber Academy appearing tonight and tomorrow night with Angel Burlesque at Theater on the Square. So what 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 does what does part of the training entail? Well, we uh we, we encompass both the uh, stage combat and sort of the martial arts side of uh of the uh the famous sci fi weapon. Tina Bel <laughs> Tina Belcher will be there. Yeah. yeah. Um uh, so we'll we once we uh once we get a hold of you, we uh will <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll, get, we'll show you the basics of uh, you know how to uh, put together a staged fight, and then once you've got the basic principles of that, we move people on to actually being able to spar live. We use uh, you know uh, heavy heavy grade uh, plastic blades. Uh, that, I was, that was gonna be my example. Not actual lasers, folks. Uh, no, no, no. The, the, those we're scientists not, say no to that. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Although Michio Kaku uh, put together a, a pretty convincing uh, proposal about how to create one. Oh my. But, uh, uh, yeah, these are uh, th- these are pretty fun. Uh, you know, th- they'll they'll take a beating and uh, keep on do. ticking. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we've got a couple of choreographed duels. Those are the kinds of things we perform out and about. Uh, but then, uh, you know, once you're ready, we'll uh, we'll turn you loose to uh, to go saber your friends. Now, are there are there particular <laughs> scenes that you guys recreate, or just fighting styles? No, no, fighting we're not uh, we're not we're not we're not trying to recreate anything from the movies. We're uh, we're we're doing all sorts of different fighting styles. Okay, from the, you know sort of two-handed samurai style to I do more of a you know one-handed swashbuckling Zorro style uh, or yeah, sword buckling as, as it was once said on this show by what about the double-ended Darth Maul type that's right we've got a we've got a technique for that too our our, our uh our lead instructor, a guy named Michael Tucker, uh, has has created seven different lightsaber fighting styles based on different kinds of uh, different kinds of lightsabers and different uh, earthly martial arts. So, so Brian does anything th- Mace Windu related. Hmm. I'll have to I'll have to look into that. Not sure. <laughs> Brian, of course, will, if you want to combine uh, if you want to combine lightsabers with Errol Flynn. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, you Douglas know, Fairbanks. A, a lot of unnecessary flourishing looks awfully good when you uh, when you have a lightsaber. That's also the show. <laughs> hey, all right. And uh, you're also. Oh, no, and for for more information, where can people go? Uh, find Indie Lightsaber Academy on Facebook. Ah, very good. Just start typing in Indie L I. You ought to be able to find us. We're also on Instagram, and I think as of today, we're on Tumblr. Uh oh. Whoa! There'll be more updates than us. Tumblr oh, follow. We'll link. We'll definitely link to uh, film sociology. Oh, we, we appreciate it. And you're also in rehearsal right now. Oh, that's right. Actually, uh, there, there's uh, with there's, no lightsabers. There's a, a mini Shakespeare festival coming up in October in Carmel, uh, and uh, Casey Ross Productions is doing Time of Athens. Uh, which is Shakespeare's least produced show. I say, the people from Titus Andronicus nod their head in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would be playing Timon. He's a, he's a fabulously wealthy guy who gets taken for a ride by a bunch of moochers and ends up destitute and a cranky old uh, hermit. And, uh, and, and by the way, badass profile picture. That's your action movie picture right Thank there. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the publicity images are already out, but but you should check it out. Uh, it's uh, um, there's three shows going on. They're also doing As You Like It and Othello uh, as part of this festival in October in in uh, in Carmel and Studio 15. Very good. Yeah. Oh, uh, and and tell Colin I said hi. I will do that. Have you guys made the connection? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> it's not all entirely true. I just won't tell you what. So I'll uh, I'll, I'll look forward to the details. <laughs> And have you seen any? So, is, have, have you watched movies with uh, Beatrice yet? Or are you still? Uh, you know what? You know, she was around when we were watching movies. When she but was but not, infant, she's but, not really studying. Well, you know, I, I showed her Disney's Alice in Wonderland, and she seemed quite enthralled. And don't so. play Tom Petty while you're doing that. Uh, no, no, I, I, I won't be won't be doing that. No, but uh, so uh, so initiation on uh, one of the cooler underrated Disney films. All I can tell you is, be prepared. There, there will be a time that she's going to want to watch the same film. Maybe multiple times a day, every day, 
I'm stealing myself for that. For, I know. So I would say hide the bad stuff early. All right. And uh, you know, if, hopefully you'll be as lucky as mine when it was uh, Monsters, Inc. and Finding Nemo. So she, had okay. at least, she at least had the good common decency as a, as a two-year-old to alternate. Well, the Disney movies are all on the bottom shelf. so They go along with the books. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, some words to live by. Silent breed is people! Zardoz has spoken. Also, pop-up books of both of those for Beatrice. <laughs> Go see, thanks, Brian. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. We go. Good night, Fort Myers. Good night, California.